Hi and welcome to Golden Impact, the podcast that deciphers what impact really is when it comes to financing or growing businesses. I am Orient Tong and during my graduate exchange semester at UC Berkeley, I have dug into the investment thesis and core motivations of impact fund managers, entrepreneurs and teachers. Today we have the great pleasure to meet with David Law. After a traditional career path in tech, finance and sales, during which he would volunteer in his free time, David started to combine his job with his social values by building an amazing partnership between the NGO Ashoka in Thailand and UC Berkeley. For us, David shares fascinating insights on social entrepreneurship, education and impact investing. Ready to make a positive impact? Let's start with David's story. My name is David Law, and I'm Director of Global Academic Programs here at the Satarja Center for Entrepreneurship and Technology at UC Berkeley. Maybe I would think of my career so far uh, in maybe two, two or three different chapters. Um, I spent 20 years in what many people would probably just consider a traditional career path. Um, I got um, my undergraduate degree and then my master's degree and worked for big corporations and multinationals, as well as startups, uh, all in, in sales, finance, strategy, operations roles, kind of increasing my role and responsibility, moving up the corporate ladder, if you will, to, to senior executive roles. Um, and all along that journey, um, I found a very important part of my professional and personal development to, to be involved in volunteer work, whether that was you know, at the local food bank or whether that was doing projects with Habitat, Habitat for Humanity or other just local things that our companies were all involved in. Um, so it's always been something that I've been interested in. Um, I went through a transition period after working for a startup here in the Bay Area and I decided to take some time off. And I was in Thailand um, and was introduced or found and discovered Ashoka uh, Foundation um, and really got interested in their global mission uh, and just uh, not having work at the time and giving myself some time to and space to explore. Um, I just became really motivated by how I could marry things that I was really interested in and that was you know uh, business, uh, technology and impact. Um, and we began a discussion there and that ended up being a really interesting relationship that ended up bringing, bringing me here to Berkeley, actually. Um, so they're all connected in a very interested, interesting way. So you discovered Ashoka and the, its work but you didn't you weren't really looking for it yeah so it's really kind of an interesting story so one of my current colleagues here uh, Ken Singer who's chief learning officer here at the center has been working at Berkeley for uh, for 15 years or so now um, I was in Thailand uh, really enjoying my time off um, and we were just communicating we've been friends for a long time And he said, you know, what could be really interesting, I'm thinking about doing this class on social entrepreneurship and we're looking for projects. We want real projects, right? So we don't want students coming up with, you know, just ideas. We want them to really think about solving something big and challenging. 
and he's like, do you think you might be able to help us out? Like maybe we could figure out a way for students to work on projects in Thailand or other emerging companies. And I'm like, okay, let me, let me think about it and let me see what I can uncover. And I just started doing some research and Ashoka Foundation just start, kept popping up, right? And uh, they're global and they've really been involved since the very beginning, I think, you know, in some cases you might even say they helped coin this phrase social entrepreneurship or social innovation. Um, so it was great to to meet them in Bangkok. It took me a really long time to get a meeting with them. It was a very entrepreneurial experience. Uh, imagine you are the director of Ashoka Thailand and this strange guy from the U.S who is really just hanging out in Thailand and relaxing, calls you up and says, hey, I've got this proposal for you. I'd like to talk about maybe doing some project between Ashoka and UC Berkeley. And I wasn't even working at UC Berkeley at the time, so it was kind of interesting. <laughs> um, it took me about four or five calls and emails before uh, they agreed to meet with me. And it was a very casual coffee chat outside at a cafe. Uh, and then like another few weeks went by and then finally we just kept having these small conversations about what it is we thought we could accomplish and how important it was to engage students um, and to make a kind of a long story short we ended up doing a challenge lab course which is something that's become kind of foundational now here at the center um, I went across Thailand and interviewed uh, 10 different young social entrepreneurs I documented in great detail all of their projects um, and we presented them to Berkeley students with the challenge of let's find the five or six projects that you think can benefit the most from technology and innovation or some sort of thinking uh, outside of the box that could help them you know achieve you know their goals maybe it could be uh, a business goal to improve revenue or to reach more customers or to reach more beneficiaries or improve your impact improve your communication. So there were a lot of different types of projects um, and the students chose those projects and we worked on them for an entire semester and I was in Thailand uh, and the students were here in Berkeley and then the winning team, the top project got to go to Thailand and meet their entrepreneur and to test their product in the field and it was a really great experience. I can imagine. Yeah, it was fun. <laughs> What were you looking at uh, to select these entrepreneurs? And what do you think in general makes a good entrepreneur? Uh, keeping in mind this triangle that you mentioned, innovation, technology, and yes. impact. I think the, the key thing that I learned from these social entrepreneurs was just a very deep-seated passion for the problem that they were trying to solve. And I think in every single case, the problem for them was very contextual. It was something that they experienced growing up or they experienced in their community. And they saw every day um, these problems and these issues play out in their community. And they just had a passion for solving it. Um, they really had a deep dedication to it. Now, in many cases, a lot of them did not have much experience with technology or maybe they didn't have a lot of experience with business, but their understanding of the problem and the culture and the community 
was um, was very deep seated and it was very powerful. I think that was what motivated them to keep them keep them going forward. Uh, one of the um, mentors at Ashoka said, "Listen, entrepreneurs in general are crazy because it's a lot of work and a lot of effort." He goes, "Social entrepreneurs are the craziest, <laughs> right? Because it is such hard work." Um, but I think the the reward of seeing just um, very gradual improvement in people's lives based on what you're trying to do is the reward. Um, and and they, they, it was really motivating for the students to work with them, I think. In terms of funding, can you maybe give us more detail? Oh, interestingly, um, in most cases, Ashoka provides very little funding. They provide an infrastructure for mentorship and um, guidance and some maybe some technical skills, workshops and education uh, for these social entrepreneurs. Um, a lot of funding was raised through grants or other nonprofits. And then of course, um, once there was some traction in the market, um, maybe they were going out to specific impact investors. Uh, to look for additional funding. Um, the goal all along the way is for them to become self-sustaining. So I think that was also something we had to teach uh, students at Berkeley or, you know, I shouldn't even uh, qualify at Berkeley. I think a lot of us kind of blur the line between charity or NGO and social entrepreneurship. Uh, in my mind, the way we've always taught it here at Berkeley is that it has to be a business and it has to be self-sustaining. Um, there, there has to be really a holistic view um, of the company um, that is different than sort of a just-for-profit business that maybe hopes to just return profits or equity to, to shareholders. Um, it goes beyond that, it, which makes it even more complex. Um, but I think if you go into it hoping that you're going to sustain yourself with foundation money or donations or other charitable uh, activity, I think it's a very difficult road for uh, those social entrepreneurs to scale their businesses beyond that. I think a lot of impact uh, entrepreneurship and impact funding is specifically around what you mentioned, what around scale. Mm -hmm. How do you um, make a balance between scale and impact and sometimes you have to make a choice? Yes, so I think it ebbs and flows. So there are going to be times that I think um, you know, you will have to um, focus your energy. Um, fundraising in itself um, is really almost a full-time job. So if you're a small team and you're trying to scale and you're managing uh, scarce resources, which everyone is, and that could be funds, it could be talent, time, right? Those are all the things that are, that are limited. Um, and I think that, you know, it, we always mentor social entrepreneurs to not really beat themselves up or be um, too, too difficult on themselves if at times that they have to think about, okay, maybe we're going to stop here and not launch the next project or the next phase of our expansion until we get a stronger foundation. Um, it, it, it's not unlike a traditional business when you really do have to balance like we need growth and we need revenue, but we also have to make sure that the fundamentals are sound. Um, I, I think another thing for younger entrepreneurs and younger students, when they think about social entrepreneurs and impact investors, they think, oh, who isn't going to want to fund this project? It's so cool. So many people are being helped, but there are so many projects and investors 
whether you're an impact investor or not, you're still looking for those very important key fundamentals in a business that you know are going to um, you know, position them well for growth. You want them to be around for a long time, right? You want them to be around for a generation. You want the problem and the solution that they've developed in one particular market or geography to be something that can be replicated, right? So that's not just specific to Thailand, for example, but you know, does it work across Southeast Asia? Could it be adapted for other markets, right? So that's what impact investors are looking for. That and really good governance and a lot of other issues that you have to think about uh, these, these days when you're starting a company. You're talking about impact investors and more traditional investors. Yes. Behind that, what would be your definition of impact? Um, for me, I think it is really providing opportunity um, for positive change, right? So, and that can come in a lot of different in a lot of different ways. Um, but if you uh, if your beneficiaries are getting opportunities to change their life, whether that is happening, uh, whether that is through direct action on their own or indirectly, you're providing an environment or access to employment or to, to funds or, or, or banking, financial inclusion. There's lots of ways that people can have direct and indirect impact. Um, as long as you're changing kind of their social, um, their social well-being um, and giving them an opportunity to improve their lives, to me, that is, that is impact. And some people do a distinction between ESG, environmental, sure. social, and governments, and impact. Yes. Do you do as well? Um, well, in my mind, when I see ESG, I think about that more as almost a, a, a regulatory framework in a sense, a, a sense of uh, a, really a system of metrics maybe that an investor would look at and think, is this company really taking into account um, its impact, its sustainability, how are they measuring that? Um, but I'm really more looking at that as an investor as a way to mitigate my risk, right? Or to satisfy my needs as an investor. Uh, that doesn't mean I'm not concerned with the, the output of the company, you know, are they, you know, are they you know, having a positive impact on the environment, for example. But an impact investor is really, while they want the company obviously to have good governance, they're less concerned about um, maybe mitigating their own risk and more concerned about the actual benefit to the, the beneficiaries, right? So what is the positive impact in the community? What are the types of KPIs and metrics that this company has that we can measure, right? You know, how many people are banked, right? Or how many people are fed? Or how many volunteers are we generating for this type of project? Those are the things that they're more concerned about alongside governance, whereas I think ESG is a little more focused on mitigating risk as an investor. Yeah. If students come to you to say, I want to launch a project with which changes people's lives in a good way, mm -hmm. how do you make sure that, yes, they have this impact uh, motivation, mm -hmm. but also they don't lose track of the fact that they will launch a startup and not an NGO? Yes, um, that's a tough one. Um, it kind of goes back to the problem for me, I think, um, or, you know, if you're busy, um, you want to move on to solution really quickly. 
because you're you're under constrained resources, right? So you're hoping to get something to the market quickly, but getting just something to the market is um, generally doesn't succeed in business very well in general, and I think it will succeed even less um, with a social impact project. Um, there's so many um, cultural context. I had a team come to me the other day and they were looking for um, advice on a project in the Philippines. Um, and we've done a lot of work there working with instructors and who are going to be teaching social impact. And we've worked with Australian Aid uh, in the Philippines and the UN Development Project, a development program. Um, and just starting to challenge them with things that they never really thought about, you know, access to technology, for example. They wanted to do a survey, and I was just like, how are you going to do a survey, right? So they're, they're looking at, you know, people at the very low end of, you know, the income scale and women um, and realizing that most of them don't have access to technology. Or if they do, it might be a very basic kind of mobile device, mm -hmm. right? It certainly will not be a computer. Um, it will be reliant on mobile connectivity. Maybe they don't have a lot of data um, to, to, to spare. Um, what language are they gonna speak? You know, So even in my projects in the Philippines with native Filipinos, they're like, uh, you know, we're going out and, and, and talking to our customers and we're finding out with older generations or more rural, they're speaking a dialect that um, I can't speak, right? So um, these are all just layers that you have to begin to peel back and realize that, okay, this is gonna be a much more complex and difficult problem to solve than we thought, right? It's not just creating a survey and finding people to send a survey to. It's, it's much more complex than that and more complicated. So is, it, is that different when your job is uh, also what you want to do as a, as a person? Yes. And when yeah. you separate both? So being able to combine education, my background in technology, all of my experience um, in finance and sales operations and strategy was with enterprise uh, software sales companies. Uh, so I've been around technology my entire career to see those three things come together uh, has been really fun. Uh, and I think you know the one thing that keeps me positive is the fact that I every semester I meet great students who are so bright and so dedicated uh, to solving big problems that I really you know I've, I'm very hopeful that you know we're going to get there. I think it's never as fast as as anyone thinks, but. Um, pretty hopeful on, on tackling big problems because students have so many ideas and technology is also moving so quickly. Um, and I, in, in the last 10 years, I've noticed more students interested in social impact. Um, and even since the pandemic, I think that has increased even more. If I or other grad, recently grad students uh, want to start an impact investing fund, what would be your top recommendations to convince on the one hand the uh, startups and on the other hand the investors? Well, investors, um, oddly enough, are easier to figure out, I think. Um, 
most of them are going to have a lot of the same things that they're looking for. Certainly, they may have different interests or areas that they focus in. It could, could be healthcare or education. Um, it could be certain geographic areas that they're interested in. It could be women-focused issues or other things. Um, but beyond that, I think there are just certain metrics that they're looking for in terms of, you know, do you understand what impact you're delivering and, and how do you measure it? Do you have data? Um, do they feel confident that, that there is a long runway here? I think most impact investors realize that this isn't the same as investing in a traditional startup where I maybe hope to get you know, some return or at least I know within one year to three years, okay, this is gonna be great. It's returning a lot of money for me or maybe I'm gonna can reconsider and pull the plug on my investment. Um, they know that this is a five or a seven or a 10 year investment and is this the right team and the right founder who has the staying power and the passion and the commitment to see this through um, so i think from that perspective it's probably um, easier to to vet uh, investors who are interested and be able to match them with potential projects um, i think on the other side being able to vet the startups is more complicated and more difficult um, because so many of the, the, the metrics that you need to gauge success are qualitative. Um, and I think that's what a lot of social entrepreneurs struggle with in general is making, how do they make bridge the gap between all the impact that they're doing? There's a lot of qualitative impact that is very valuable, but being able to collect that information and convey it to investors is important. Um, from, from the entrepreneur's perspective, you would want an investor to be someone who has deep knowledge in not only your geographic area or your um, also the problem area that you're focused on. Um, they're there to help you. I mean, they're not there to just write you a check and leave you alone. You really want them involved. Um, maybe you don't want them involved every day so much at a micro level, but you certainly want them to be able to, to advise you and give you support um, and share expertise that they've learned from working on other projects in healthcare in that particular region, for example. Um, so I think um, making sure there's a good match is really important and not just taking money from anyone who really can't uh, be there to help you along the way, I think, and, and then hopefully be there along the way and then write you another check at some point, right, as you continue to grow and scale. I think those are the, those are the things that are really important. Close the podcast. I uh, like to ask very quick questions, okay. boring, quick answers, uh, whatever comes to your mind. So, if you had to choose, would it be more ESG or impact? Impact. Uh, US or emerging markets? Uh, emerging markets. <laughs> teaching or building? Oh, wow. Probably teaching. Okay. Yeah. And the final word, what gives you hope for the future? Uh, I, I think I mentioned it a little bit um, earlier. It's, I think, the, the motivation um, for, by the, that I see from current students, you know, that I really think has changed dramatically in the last few years in, in the positive direction. Students are motivated to do something that's purposeful. Um, I think uh, the pandemic has shown all of us that there's more to life than just work 
and more to life than just making money. Um, and I, I think I really do sense really a deep-seated drive in students to do something that is going to really change the, the world positively. Um, I'm very realistic and you know, especially here in the US, the students leave with a lot of debt uh, and they will go to work, but um, I've seen students at Berkeley go take jobs at Apple and Google and Facebook and Uber and then within three, four, five years, strike out and do something really impactful and really interesting. Uh, and they're so happy now. You know, you just see the change uh, because they're doing something that really they're passionate about and they see that everything they're doing is having a positive impact on the community around them or the climate or on a specific individual. Yeah. Cool. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you very much all for listening. This was the Golden Impact Podcast with me, Orient Tong, interviewing David Law. If you like the podcast, Please subscribe and talk about it around you. You can also contact me on LinkedIn if you have any questions. Thank you and speak to you soon.